From the corner of first and first, the nexus of the universe, it's the GameCube was cool on the radio with Neil Gilbert and Mike Lane on 97.8 KUHB, the Cube FM. Thank you, Victor. It's a bright, sunshiny day here on August 26th. Neil and I are here to celebrate a very happy 18th birthday to Super Mario Sunshine, the classic 2002 3D Mario game from none other than the Nintendo GameCube. But first, some sad news to report. Neil? Ladies and gentlemen, we want to take this opportunity to have a brief moment of silence for the passing of the beloved character, Sir Anthony Toadsworth. Toadsworth was approximately 60 years of age, which I don't believe for one second. He was either the father, grandfather, or suitor of Princess Peach. No one's ever quite confirmed that. He had at least 10,000 children, and he is now survived by this very, very large family. Sir Toadsworth was, of course, in many Mario games, including Mario Power Tennis, Mario Golf, the Mario Party games, and the Super Mario Sunshine game, which we will be talking about today. That was his last flight, as of course we all know that he died suddenly on the third day of the vacation while sunbathing on top of an aluminum roof with no water and no sunscreen. He was a man of few words. He typically uttered phrases such as tally-ho and pip-pip. He was a beloved Nintendo character nonetheless, and we just want to have a moment of silence for him as we send him off. Okay, it's time to check out the mailbag! Ladies and gentlemen, for those listening for the first time, this is the GameCube is Cool app. On 97.8 Cube FM, hosted by myself, Mike Lane, and my co-host, Neil Gilbert. That's right, Mike. The GameCube is Cool podcast releases every Thursday morning on Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean, wherever you get your podcasts. We are a weekly show where we go into the history of the Nintendo GameCube and just talk about some memories of the games, learn some new facts, and have a lot of fun. We're also on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. We really appreciate all the support we're getting there. This week, the episode is all about Super Mario Sunshine, the GameCube classic that we both know and love. Lots of people like to talk trash about it on the internet, but we're here to prove them wrong, I think. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we want to thank everyone for their ongoing support. We're really enjoying the show so far, and uh, we're excited for episode 15. Right? That's episode 15 this week, which is crazy. That's right. Episode 15 on the radio. 97.8, the Cube FM, KUHB. Number one on the dial and number one in your hearts. And we're also the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, which we wear with a badge of pride. That's right. So anyway, Super Mario Sunshine was released on August 26, 2002. Happy 18th birthday, Super Mario Sunshine. The developer was Nintendo EAD, published by, of course, none other than Nintendo. Once this game was all said and done, it had an astounding sales of about 6.28 million copies, making it the third best-selling game on the Nintendo GameCube. If you wanted to pick it up today, you're looking at about a $90 price point, which is quite a bit for a GameCube game, and it's the only... 3D Mario game that is not available for download. You can only buy this game on the Nintendo GameCube wow. disc. I own a copy myself. I'm uh, lucky enough to have received one for free, of all places, uh, in high school. One of my friends, the Panthbreed, who we've spoken about before, gave me a GameCube, uh, Sm Smash Bros. Melee, and Sunshine, all for free, which was uh, the best deal I've ever received. <laughs> Mike, we have a, a bit of fan mail, uh, I believe. I can hear the, uh, the paper rustling on your end. Uh, why don't you start us off with our first fan letter ever on the Nintendo GameCube podcast? Our first fan letter from the mailbag! Mailbag! All right. This letter comes to us from Hunter Tim from Ajax, Ontario. 
Uh, interesting that people are sending us letters, uh, but uh, yeah, what year is it? <laughs> it's two thousand. How many stamps were on that? <laughs> it's it's, it's two thousand two. I guess that makes sense. There's yeah. no email in two thousand two. <laughs> it, it looks like these letters were were from two thousand two, um, August twenty sixth. So they played the game and beat it in the same day uh, that they bought it. So that's pretty good. Well, people can review Metacritic on on they can review games on Metacritic like hours before the game's even out. So I don't see any issue with that. <laughs> no issue at all. So Hunter from Ajax writes, "Hey guys." Favorite parts of the sunshine were the levels where they take away flood and you have to rely purely on your platforming skills to get by. Other than that infamous one with the Chucksters, plus the soundtrack is amazing and helps add to the overall tropical vacation aesthetic. Also, Yoshi being there and actually being able to use him was a great surprise. Thank you, Hunter, for your letter. That was uh, very heartfelt. I um, really appreciated you mentioning Yoshi, of course. Uh, mm. He's obviously the greatest Nintendo character of all time. I, too, greatly missed him in Super Mario 64, and having him back in Super Mario Sunshine was just really warmed my heart, as a game called Super Mario Sunshine should uh, do. <laughs> Next letter comes from Jason S. from Thornhill, Ontario. Jason says, Hey, guys. Long-time writer, first-time listener. Wait a minute. That makes <laughs> Well, from what I remember, I did not like the flood mechanic. Oh, no. Mm. And thought it was lame. Wow. Mm. The camera angles and cuts were weird, and some of the levels were just plain stupid and frustrating. A lot of them were very repetitive. Blue coins or red coins this, dumb leaf raft that, chase the shadow, blah, blah, blah. You chase Mario like 10 times just spraying him with water. It's dumb. Ouch. Yeah, I mean, you know what? This game is polarizing. There's a lot of different views on this game. Jason, for one, clearly a fan of the original 64 and also liking the Galaxy. He didn't like this entry. And, you know, that's okay, Jason. That's, that, that is okay, Jason. I hope that, I hope that you get over your, uh, your hatred of Super Mario Sunshine and, and can one day move on and, uh, and live the rest of your life very happily. <laughs> All right. Next letter comes to us from Jason H. from Toronto, Ontario. Another Jason here. He says, I played this game once. I never could get into it like the other Mario games. For me, it goes Odyssey, 64, the rest. I stand by my comment. Ooh. I, I can I can I can understand where, where Jason H is coming from. I think he is uh in the majority of, of Mario fans that love 64. They usually go 64 Odyssey and then they kind of bundle everything in. That was a common uh common theme on the uh poll that we recently did on Instagram. Uh the 64 game was very popular amongst fans. For some reason, Galaxy does get forgotten, which I don't really appreciate. I quite like Galaxy. I think that that should be remembered in people's lists, not just the rest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As Jason says, he stands by his comment, and I'm not going to change his mind without him listening to me. So Fair enough. Mm -hmm. Next letter comes from Megan D. from Richmond, B.C. Holy mm. crap, Richmond, British Columbia. Not wow. too shabby. Sunshine was honestly such a cool and weird game, but honestly, I'd rather just talk about Pokemon. Here we go. Have me on the Pokemon episode, especially Coliseum. <laughs> also, Crystal was a woke game. It was the first time you could play as a girl. That's right. You could. That's yeah. totally right. I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. Crystal is a great game. I have that. I actually still have the physical copy of Crystal. I do too. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic game. What What's the next letter say? All right. The next letter we have here is from Victor D from Vancouver, BC. I'm pretty Ooh. sure I know who this Victor is. But, he uh, sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Uh, he says... The N64 was better. Sunshine! You. Whoa, okay. Whoa. That, that's, that's a bit much. That went a little bit too far. I think 
I think, Mike, I think we need to read these letters before reading them on the air. Yeah, I think we need a screening process of some sort. Maybe we can get Victor, voice Victor, you know, coming on uh, and uh, screening our letters for us before we read them. No issues there at all. No issues there. Not at all. Well, I guess this is probably a good time then to start talking about the game amongst ourselves. This is the GameCube was cool on the radio. Radio. And as a radio show, you know, we will have some guests on later, as well as some voicemails that people have left us. So we're very excited for some of those. Cool. Well, we'll screen those before. Uh, Will we? Probably not. No, we'll just take our chances with getting shut down. But I was going to say, before we get started into the main episode, I wanted to say that we did do an Instagram poll this week, which was a lot of fun. It was our first ever poll, just to try to get some community involvement, see where our fans stand with 3D Mario games. Now, Neil, before you continue on this, what exactly is a 3D Mario game? Mike, a 3D Mario game is any game that isn't Super Mario 3D Land or World, or a 2D game on the NES. That's pretty much the best way I can describe it. The 3D Mario games are Mario 64, Mario Sunshine, Galaxy 1 and 2, and Mario Odyssey. Thank you for clarifying that, Neil. No problem, Mike. And just before I move on, I just want to let everybody know that this segment of the episode is brought to you by Toad Express Airlines. Ladies and gentlemen, the only other airline, just like Qantas, that has never been in an accident, even though it's only been around since 2002. This is the airline that you can rely to only fly you to Delfino Plaza, um, and it has great service. There's only three seats on the entire plane, so you know that there's leg room. Toad Express, welcome to Isle Delfino. And they, I don't know where they fly from. Like, where's Mario? Where did Mario get on the plane? That's what I want to know. <laughs> uh, at one of the Animal Crossing islands. Oh, okay. Sounds good to me. I guess there's airports there, too. So anyway, the first uh, first game on the list was Mario 64 and Sunshine. Mario 64 beat out Sunshine by 4%, 52 to 48. Mario 64 vs. Galaxy. Mario 64, 61%. Galaxy, 39%. Mario 64, moving on again to round three, 70% versus 30% to Galaxy 2. So people do not like Galaxy 2. That was the biggest uh, difference between games. Hmm. And finally, we put Mario 64 up versus Mario Odyssey, which is a lot of people's favorite 3D Mario game. Uh, Mario 64 beat it by 8%, oh. 54-46%. So Mario 64 is the consensus number one game amongst the GameCube was cool podcast fans. Yep. Mario Sunshine did not make it past round one, although it was closest. It was uh, actually a 4% difference between 64 and Sunshine. So there was, it, it came close. It came close. It did come close. But let's move on to Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, obviously, this game, as we said, came out 18 years ago, so it's uh, it's becoming a retro game, I suppose, now. Uh, I did not play it back in the day. I played it, I did, I tried it like at a Walmart or something like that, but I didn't actually get to sit down and play the game from start to finish until I was in high school. My first opinion of the game was that it, w- it felt different than Mario 64, which I think a lot of people, we've already heard that a lot of people think is the case. Mario felt different, the camera felt different, uh, the flood mechanic is interesting. I don't think it ranks very high in my 3D Mario game ranking, but uh, I I personally think 64 is the best um, up there with Odyssey. I think this is one of those cases, and we're going to talk about this when we have some guests on here, Mm -hmm. but um, it's one of those cases where expectations were just way too high and still are too high for Sunshine. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you follow up a completely revolutionary game like 64? Uh, In this case, it really does have a bit of that Star Wars syndrome. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's only two ways you can really go about this. One, you can break the mold and do something completely different that will inevitably polarize fans and end up being too ambitious to meet the insane expectations that came off uh, with it. Or you can create the exact same thing and amplify it with new technology or create something that seems new, but really is just playing on the familiarity and repetitiveness of the entertainment industry in general. So that's kind of where you're at when you have to follow up something like Mario 64. 
That's true, but what we talk about on GameCube a lot, and that's why we love this console, is that almost every single sequel on the game from an N64 or even a Super Nintendo game where they made it, you know, they've made it, the GameCube iteration, it was almost always different. Like, Metroid Prime was a 3D take on Metroid. Double Dash was very different from Mario 64 and Super Mario Kart. Mm -hmm. For me, Mario Sunshine, it is the most different 3D Mario game, I think. Lucky for us, Nintendo has never been a fan of going towards the repetitiveness aspect of gaming, which is why Mario has been able to survive and thrive uh, 35 years later. You know, mm -hmm. when there's so many other gaming franchises that fall by the wayside or are unable to make the jump from like an arcade classic to almost like global icon, which Mario has now attained. Okay, probably a good time to go to the phones. Katie, do we have anybody on the line? Katie? <laughs> One day we'll have a staff. <laughs> Okay, joining us now is Jake S. from Mississauga, Ontario. Jake, how are you? I'm doing great, Mike and Neil. Very happy to be hey. here. So yeah, we got to I'm doing well, too. We got to start off with the first question here, and it's an important question. Yeah. Uh, growing up, did you own a GameCube? Oh, of course. Yeah. My friend, uh, I got it for my birthday, I think, and my first game was Wave Race 64. <laughs> Sweet. And... Uh, what color GameCube did you have? I had the purple. There was a run me through it here. There was purple. There was mm -hmm. black. I know yep, I had yep. the purple. Uh, I think that in like a fit of rage, my brother <laughs> or myself actually threw the purple against the wall and broke it. <laughs> so we got a second one that was black. So we had both. Going back to the fit of rage really quick. Was that from Wave Race or what, what happened there? <laughs> yeah, was that uh, I think that might have been related to my favorite game, which I would love to talk about, which is Kirby Air Ride. But we will we'll save that story for another day. Oh, okay. Another episode. <laughs> Sounds good. And now, did your parents have the foresight to buy you a memory card before you got the GameCube? No, because they had no idea that you needed one. So there I was. Oh, why would they? Exactly, right? They're just, you know, they're well-intentioned, but they don't know. So for a week or so, I was stuck playing Wave Race 64 with no, no save results. It was a tragedy. Many tears were shed. <laughs> At least you got in time to play Kirby's Air Ride to eventually throw the GameCube <laughs> into a wall, which I've never heard of someone throwing the console. I've heard of controllers breaking, but the, the whole console is something else. That's quite a <laughs> So let's go into the main topic of today's uh, radio show here, and that is Super Mario Sunshine. So, Jake, when you hear the name Super Mario Sunshine, what's the first thing that comes into your head? Uh, Toadsworth, his voice, sounding like it was voice acted by, like, a 15-year-old trying to sound 80 years old. Uh, <laughs> No, but I was going to say, I want to throw something at you guys, mm. and I want to see if you agree or not, and if you don't, that's fine. Okay. The way, when I think of Sunshine, the way that it strikes me is, Sunshine is to Mario what Majora's Mask was to Zelda. Mm. Yeah, I can get down with that, and it's also like how Double Dash is to Mario Kart, similar idea, where they took a bit of a turn, they tried something different, yeah. they were very experimental, it worked for some people and it didn't work for others. Yeah, it came, you know, it came on the heels of an all-time great game, its predecessor in both cases, uh, you know, Super Mario 64, uh, Ocarina of Time, both all-time greats, yeah. uh, you know, they had, a they had a rushed release schedule, that's what I've heard for Sunshine at least, and I know that was the case for Majora's Mask. Yeah, was right. for Sunshine. Yeah, if you, if you line up the gameplay, you know, put them next to each other. The predecessor versus the successor objectively most people would conclude the predecessor was superior but there's mm -hmm. just there's just something about the world and the personality of the game that has developed like this cult following and has pushed it over the edge for some people in which they'll say well it's my favorite game in the series 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I it seems like the, the longer that this the time goes on, the more popularity this game does receive. I don't know if it's because being in Canada, we're so we can't go out to beaches or anything like that, and they mm-hmm. just nailed that water physics and the beautiful sunshiny beaches so well. It's almost like a mini vacation in the GameCube console that that makes people go back for more. I said earlier in the episode that my favorite part of any 3D Mario game is the beach levels, mm-hmm. like the underwater levels, which I can't say the same thing for the 2D Mario games. And if I if I had my choice of having a Mario 3d game with a completely beach level so i could only play beach levels i would 100 want that and this is the game that we got yeah no i would 100 have to agree with jake in terms of like majora's mask and sunshine comparison because yeah it's very true and especially with the idea of like ocarina being the uh mario 64 in that sense yeah, I just found the world of Sunshine was so engrossing. Like it was, you know, so 64 was very much like, okay, now I'm on Baba Mountain. Now I'm in a lava level. Now I'm in a pyramid level. They're all great levels, but there wasn't like a, a consistency to them, right? You were, you were jetting around. Thread. But here in, here in, in Delfino, right? It was all one great interlinked world. And yep. all the locales made sense. Like you had Rico Harbor, Gelato Beach. And it was great because, you know, Delfino Plaza is such a great riff, the theme. And most of the areas <laughs> were just remixed Delfino Plazas, which I loved. Like I loved the uh, like the rock and roll metal version that played when you went to the harbor. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. For you, Jake, what, what are your favorite levels or your favorite level in this game? So my favorite one is, I just remember the first boss fight with Petey Piranha, where you have to feed him like uh, all the flood water and you jump on his like grossly distended stomach. <laughs> yeah, yep. I, I don't know if that's my favorite level, but it's, that's the most memorable for me. And I think, was that also the first introduction of Petey Piranha as a character? It was. Yes. Wow. Interesting. Okay, there you go. The birth of a, su- <laughs> of a superstar right there. <laughs> and the other the other infamous level is, it's going to, the name escapes me, but it's the one where where the guys have to throw you. And it's so infuriating. The Chucksters. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, it's funny because Hunter Tim, who wrote in to us, uh, he actually said the exact same thing. He said he loved all the levels other than the Chucksters. And the one. Chucksters, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. So we talked about voice acting a little bit. Uh, but uh, what was your first impression in terms of how you come into this game and this is the first time you'll ever see a Mario game with voice acting in it. Yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was cool. Like this was, you know, coming off from 64 where the story was very, very minimal, you know, not even mm-hmm. not minimal. Like it was dark souls esque. Like there just wasn't, you had like a, a one sentence, like, Oh no, the big turtle stole the princess, right? Go get her back. <laughs> and now it's like Mario's going on vacation. Uh, you know, Peach is talking like as a kid, I was like, Whoa, my mind was blown. Right. Like, yeah, no, for sure. Just those uh, some of the voice acting choices were uh, interesting at best. Yeah, well, Charles Martinet was always he was always his his amazing self, and I'm glad to <laughs> hear they his, made him his try voice. and play everybody. Well, uh, if there's anything else, Jake, uh, about Mario Sunshine that you want to say before you go, I just wanna I'm gonna get off now, and I'm just gonna listen to Rico Harbor on repeat for the rest of the night. I have it. I have it open. Prior to coming on this podcast, I just I have uh, every uh, the whole soundtrack open and i'm just gonna go through it all there it's full of bangers it's a great soundtrack it's it's fantastic it's up there with one of the best nintendo soundtracks ever made it's great all right take care jake yeah thanks for having me on guys later buddy bye see ya what a nice young man that was that was jake from mississauga ontario yes thank you so much jake for coming on the podcast and giving us your incredible insight on mario sunshine and just really candid uh memories and knowledge of the game that honestly we didn't even have so thank you so much jake that was awesome Okay, sorry about that. We're gonna we're gonna have to cut you off because we have another caller waiting on the line. Next caller, please. 
Okay, let's go back to the phones for our next caller. We've got Maddie from Toronto, Ontario on the line. Maddie, first question. Did you own a GameCube? And if you did, what color did you have? I had a purple GameCube, naturally. Naturally. And Sweet. did your parents have the foresight to buy you a memory card? Unfortunately, they did not. <laughs> um, I actually didn't get a GameCube or a memory card until I got it in a game. So it was a few months before I had one. Oh, man. Mm. And as you mentioned off air, the first game that you played, Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube, those are long cutscenes at the beginning to play that game over and over again. That's that's tough without a memory card. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when I mention Super Mario Sunshine, what sticks out to you? What's the one thing that you really think about in your memories? The the music is what sort of gets me. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, each level has its own sort of theme song, and it really took me back as soon as I started listening to it. I picked the game up again this morning um, just to refresh my memory for this call, and I, it took me back about 15 years uh, in an instant. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Uh, today actually marks the 18th birthday of Super Mario Sunshine. Is it 18? I was just about to say 20 and I wasn't exactly sure. <laughs> 18 years. Okay, that really ages it's me. Legal, <laughs> I know, right? I think it ages all of us on here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so you mentioned how you went back and played Mario Sunshine to get ready for this call. Was there anything that you had completely forgotten about that you kind of remembered again while playing? It's in Serena Beach, where Yoshi is the main part of the, the level. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had totally forgotten that he was part of the game. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, Yoshi in this game is just going to keep coming up on these calls today because, I mean, uh, he wasn't in 64. A lot of people forget that. Anytime Yoshi comes up. Now, is there anything else you'd like to say before we let you go here about Super Mario Sunshine? I will say that some of my fondest memories of bonding with my cousins um, who lived out of the province were over this game because we had to figure out. There are a few levels that are a little bit. Uh, confusing you're not really sure where you're supposed to go but we figured it out together and it was a really nice bonding time for us that's awesome well thanks so much for coming on the call maddie and we'll talk to you later all right take care all right that was awesome thank you so much maddie for coming on to talk about super mario sunshine yeah that was awesome do we have any traffic copters outside i really need to know what the traffic's like before i go home Mike, can, can we please uh, hit the traffic copter see what what's happening on the dvp Let's check out Toadsworth in the sky. Oh, yeah, he's, he's in the just sky. screaming. I don't think he actually has his pilot license. <laughs> Who gave him a chopper? So not all of our listeners were able to be on the podcast today. Uh, and so we wanted to take some time and listen to some of the voicemails that we got before we started this episode. Well, hang on a second, Mike. We gave too many options to listeners here. We let them we let them write into the podcast, and that wasn't good enough. We let them call into the podcast, that wasn't good enough. Some assholes that don't have time to do either of those things also left us voicemails. Is that what you're trying to tell me? That's right. Well, people leave us voicemails all the time, Neil. We just don't play them for anyone else. Okay, I have had a cell phone now for the last, what, 10, 15 years, and I never set my voicemail up. It's fantastic. Everyone keeps asking me to set up a voicemail. Text me. Stop trying to leave me voicemails. This isn't 1995 anymore. Yeah. After, no more, after today, no more voicemails, okay? Play the first one, guys. Oh, okay, okay. This is Kira coming our way from St. Catharines, Ontario. And this is what Kira has to say. Mario Sunshine was the first game that I played with my little cousin because it was the first video game that he had all on his own and that he could play. I remember walking in and having him grab me by the hand and take me down to play this game where Mario was cleaning up the town and doing all sorts of good things. And I remember my cousin's excitement that got me more excited about the game than the actual things like the box art and the gameplay, which ended up being incredible. 
something really cool about this game is they did a study and they were showing that kids who enjoyed this game and played it more ended up being like kinder adults and they did things for the environment and for others. And an interesting fact on that is my cousin ended up in a profession where he does help other people. The only thing that could have made that memory about Mario Sunshine a little better is if they did introduce that multiplayer mode that was originally slated for the game. I really would have loved to be like Shadow Mario going back and forth on a bunch of different maps, you know, playing with my cousin and letting him win. And what they put out for the Mario Sunshine game was a really beautiful game that got a lot of people interested in GameCube, in Nintendo, and it's great. I'm really glad they made it. We never talked about the uh, multiplayer. Uh, there, there's just no multiplayer in Super Mario Sunshine. It's one of probably the only one of the only Mario games that doesn't have any sort of a, an, uh, a multiplayer aspect. That Mario 64 didn't. Mm -hmm. uh, but after that, they, they they brought it back with Galaxy and now with uh, Odyssey. There's there's multiplayer modes. Which yeah, that's true. If you wanted to play the game, and you know the GameCube was. I know that they say it wasn't meant to be for kids. It was also meant to be for teens to start off with. Which they eventually kind of doubled back and went back to, to it being a kid a kids friendly machine family yeah. friendly and everything like that but yeah it would have been great to have some kind of like, like just to have like a virtual water gun fight which they kind of eventually made with splatoon i i, I get major mario sunshine vibes when i play splatoon personally yeah. definitely now i want to follow up with kira and find out a little bit more about her little cousin um does he i know <laughs> she says that now he's got a job cleaning up and everything he's super helpful now is that because he was framed for vandalism or is it because he chose to do that <laughs> Yeah, like he was on vacation, he arrived, someone had, whatever his name is, they had spray painted his name on whatever monuments they had, and they, they he's sentenced to community service for the rest of his life, but maybe he's happy doing it because of playing Mario Sunshine. I like to think that. I like That's to think the theory. that. Let's just stick with that. Let's not follow up with her. Let's listen to another one, shall we? Sure, why not? This is from Ryan, who is from the Game Punks, one of our favorite podcasts out there, from Montreal. Hi, Mike and Neil, and... Fellow GameCube Crusaders, uh, this is Ryan from GamePunks, and I guess a little bit of my history with Mario Sunshine. Uh, it was the second game I ever got for the GameCube, and the GameCube was the first ever home console that I owned. I've always loved this game, and I, I continue to find new reasons to love it, even though it is a frustrating game at times, design-wise. But my favorite area in the entire game is this beach area called Gelato Beach. So, uh, Gelato Beach is like the third or fourth area you gain access to in the game. And when I got there, I was really intrigued by like this place, like, oh, Gelato Beach, I don't know where that is. So when you first get to Gelato Beach in the first level, uh, you start the level off, kind of off on this little island just off the shore, and you walk onto the beach, and you see the level is all kind of built around this huge tower. And if you go and talk to people around uh, the beach, they'll tell you about, oh, that tower is where the egg of the sandbird is, and see those giant mirrors? They're like projecting uh, like sunlight onto the sandbird so that one day it will hatch, and I'm like, oh, the sandbird, that's intriguing. Uh, the second level has you going onto the giant mirrors and flipping these creatures off. There's like a giant wiggler worm coiled around the tower at the top of the sandbird and there's like all this lead up to the sandbird what is the sandbird and you, you eventually knock the wiggler off the tower the next level is you fighting the wiggler which is now just going on this rampage across gelato beach it's nuts he's like tearing everything up and then the fourth level is the sandbird finally hatching and i was like so intrigued by this because like all this time in my childhood i didn't have access to the internet at home 
So, like, I couldn't just look this up. I only had to hear about it from my friends. I'd be like, oh, I'm about to get to the Sandbird level. And they're like, ooh, the Sandbird. Ooh, we're not going to tell you what that is. You're going you're gonna to be prepared for it on your own. I'm like, oh my god, I have no idea what I'm getting into. But I'm so excited. And there was all this build-up to it in the previous couple of stages. And this whole area just kind of seemed built around, like, an obsession amongst the people living in this beach with the Sandbird and making the Sandbird hatch. So you finally get to the Sandbird stage, and you go on to the bird itself and it's this giant flying bird shaped thing made out of like the like shifting sand blocks that you fought kind of you encountered them earlier on in the level in like the first level of this area but um yeah going on to this bird made of shifting sand blocks and it was just like so intriguing the music was kind of playing in the background it's very serene and it's like wow this is so like weird and cool that i don't know the vibe just like hit me in such like a place, memory-wise, that it's never left me. I remember being a little frustrated with it at some points, but when I finally beat it, just like the triumph of like, oh my god, I got to see the sandbird, I got to beat the level, I finally did it. It felt fulfilling and unique, and it was like, I guess the first time in gaming that I really remember getting like, invested in like the build-up to a story element and like having it kind of come to fruition and me being like really satisfied with what I got. I thought it was really, really fun and interesting and uh, weird and cool. Super Mario Sunshine remains to this day like one of my favorite games of all time. Love it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Super well said, Ryan. Yeah, definitely. Glad we could have him on the podcast. That's fantastic. And yeah, we haven't even talked about, uh, this is probably my favorite level as well in Super Mario Sunshine, Gelato Beach. Just uh, within it, the Sandbird level is an iconic Mario level. Yeah. It's and just talking about the Gelato Beach, the main area there with the um, the mirrors, I don't know if they're meant to be like solar panels or something like that. The way that the those panels reflected the just the image on the screen and everything like that was pretty, I don't know if that was ahead of its time for the 2000s, but that graphically was incredible. I think it was ahead of its time for anything Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's for sure. All right, Mike, why don't you uh, play us the next uh, the next voicemail, and we'll uh, we'll see what they have to say. Who, yeah. who's, call, who's called in? Uh, this one comes from our friend, friend Harrison who Mm. has called in from London, Ontario. So let's see what Harrison has to say about Super Mario Sunshine. Hey, Mike and Neil. It's friend of the show, Harrison here. Just wanted to drop a line and talk about Super Mario Sunshine. You know, being an N64 kid, I remember racking up the hours of Super Mario 64. And when the GameCube came out, I was praying that there would be a game that could keep the Mario hype train going. Now, I personally think Sunshine delivered. I remember having a blast playing it. I'm always a fan of the supporting cast and anything, whether it's movies, music, etc. And Flood, in my opinion, won the best supporting role in my mind. The concept and the technology that makes Flood was so creative and with the different nozzles, one of my favorite characters. Uh, Next to Cappy, of course. Uh, I also like how you could play as Yoshi in the game, instead of Super Mario 64 where he just makes that stupid cameo appearance. Also, one thing that always confused me was Bowser Jr. You know, I'm not sure where he falls in the line of the Bowser family. You know, someone will have to explain that to me or something, because, you know, there's Bowser, Bowser Jr., and Baby Bowser, and are Baby Bowser and Bowser Jr. the same person, or are they different? You know, because you can play as Baby Bowser in, I believe, Mario Party 5. Is Baby Bowser dead? I I need someone to answer this for me. Anyways, I'm really glad that Nintendo put out a fun game with a great message behind it. Tagging public property is bad, and it's a public offense that you should be criminalized for. That ended very differently than I thought it would. <laughs> uh, well, you know, we do like our twists here on the GameCube is Cool radio show. 
We definitely do, and we there's nothing we love more than justice. So, <laughs> obviously, it's uh, it's funny uh, how the Yoshi, um, uh, like everyone wanting Yoshi in the game, has been a recurring theme. I would say throughout almost all of our guests so far, should never be left out. You can't have Mario without Yoshi. I think this is a good time for us to talk about the plot of the game. Let's hit it with the plot, Mike. Uh, <laughs> so Mario is basically going on a vacation here. He's had a long day, long week. It's been a tough year. He need he needs some time away, obviously. <laughs> so who else to bring on your on a vacation with you but your your lovely girlfriend Peach, and of course her very old friend Toadsworth and a whole gang of Toads, which I think was just R. bloody R. yeah R I P. Why, why were they all going on vacation together? Well, I mean, I guess it's the same reason that uh, they're all going to Luigi's or to mansions with Luigi. You know, <laughs> free. It's got to be free. Someone's paying for this. Oh, absolutely. But like, what's the dynamic? Like, what's the what's the logistics here? Like, is Toadsworth like a friend? Is he the uh, Peach's grandfather? Uh, what's going on? I need the answers. I, I I'd like to have some headcanon where Toadsworth is actually working for Bowser. Because mm. let's think about it here, all right? Think okay, about yeah. it for a second. Please. So Toadsworth brings them to this island where Bowser Jr. is here, you know, and and trying to set Mario up, clearly. In other games, we have Toadsworth and Mario parties. Toadsworth is making us play these death games. Yeah, he's kind of <laughs> like the jigsaw of the Mario. You know, like he's always putting us into awkward situations where people are dying, people are getting hurt, Mario is miserable all the time. Whenever Toadsworth is around, Mario is almost always miserable, never having a good time. Like, Toadsworth is a dick. I don't know why Mario <laughs> keeps inviting him to things. I would stop inviting him to my birthday party if I was Mario, but... Well, he's dead now, so... He's dead now. It's all over, luckily. <laughs> so anyway, they get a, they arrive at Isle Delfino, which has unfortunately been vandalized. There's a whole bunch of spray paint around, which is not good on a little nice tropical island which obviously it had to have been the italian immigrant who just landed on this island <laughs> because mario looks like he's been painted into the walls and so the local officials think well this guy just got here he must have done it so what else do they do but they send mario to court of course they t as, as one does uh this guy's just arrived on vacation and the first thing he gets to do is go to a kangaroo court where he is horribly represented by a panel of judges and lawyers and everything like that. Now, for those who don't know, a kangaroo court is basically a court that you go in and you already know you're guilty. Yeah, yeah. He had no chance of getting out of there without uh, without being sent to prison, which is what happened. Him and Flood, for some reason, they let him bring his high-powered hose into prison <laughs> with, him, with him, which was very kind of them to do. And uh, that cutscene, we'll, we'll go back to that cutscene in a minute. But uh, Mario is presented with the option of basically providing the, the little town there with some community service. His job is now to clean up the town. He's got to spray the, the, the spray paint off the walls uh, in order to reduce his sentence down to zero years and he can live. And in all that time, you know, he, he obviously gets into some hijinks. He goes to all those little worlds where he does his Mario thing. And in the end, of course, he fights Bowser. So that's kind of the plot in a nutshell. Isle Delfino, shaped like a dolphin. Uh -huh. uh, that's a little fun uh, uh, throwback to the console's original name, the dolphin. Mm -hmm. There's also Bowser Jr. making his debut, which actually I didn't know until researching this episode. Uh, I didn't know that this was Bowser Jr.'s debut because there's also Baby Bowser, right. who's been who was in games before, but they kind of killed him off in the Mario canon, and now it's Bowser Jr. is like the only. One, but there, Bowser also has the other people like Wendy and Ludwig, who are also his kids. Like, yeah, Bowser's got a lot of kids. Are those he's, like he's, from he a different around. marriage? Like you know, it's. Oh, I don't want to get into that right now. Who knows? I mean, there's a whole bunch of theories that Peach is the parent of all of them, but uh, that's disgusting. I wanted to talk about this. So there's some weird Oedipal like Such going on in this uh, uh, <laughs> in this game <laughs> because Bowser Jr. is like is super certain that Peach is his mom, right? And but then they have like the hot tub scene. I don't know if you remember that. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like there, there's some weird stuff going on. And I'm sure when our guests come on, they'll be talking about a lot of this stuff. I know Ramon especially is very excited to talk about some of the plot elements. Yeah, it almost becomes like a Days of Our Lives, like a soap opera thing with just one, one, Bowser Jr. It's almost sad. Like Bowser Jr. wants to know who his mom yeah. is. It's really depressing. But uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But Bowser does have a ton of kids. I was a little bit confused too. I've forgotten that in uh, Super Mario World is the one I, that I think of when I think of Bowser Jr. But I guess that's that's baby, baby Bowser. Bowser. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a Nintendo casual, clearly. But I mean, that's basically the same character. It like, is, it's a little yeah. Bowser in like that floating, the little bob ship thing with the propeller on the hey, it's, bottom it's, it's even it's, uh it's even worse when you're trying to figure out uh the donkey kong jr lore yeah cranky kong is meant to be the original donkey kong and donkey kong jr is the donkey kong that we know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah this is also the introduction of pd piranha mm-hmm. and uh it's also technically it's the first time that we get to see yoshi in a 3d um in a 3d environment which we mentioned earlier you got all those little delfino characters that look like jelly beans. Yeah, the uh, the uh, how do you pronounce their names? It's it's I always want to say pinatas. Pinatas, <laughs> yeah, pinata people. Let's yeah, go with yeah, that. Yeah, let's go say pinata people. There's also a lot of things left out of this Mario game, making it very different from Mario games that we knew up to this point. For example, there's no Peach's Castle. Uh, there's no Goombas, no Koopa Troopas, no Luigi. In terms of uh, your move set, there's no long jump or crouching. And then there's only one Bowser fight in the game, where traditionally Mario games, there's at least three. All right, I'm going to cut you off right there, and we do have a caller on the line right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we have our next caller on the line now for our radio contest for today. Caller number six wins $1,000. We're talking here with caller number seven. Ramon, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing amazing. I, w- I hope I can win this. I don't know what I'm calling into, but I hope I can win this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the caller after the caller that won. We already gave away yeah, thousand dollars. You're here to yeah, you're here to talk about Super Mario Sunshine, which is that's your prize for today. <laughs> Equally as good, but I would sure. have liked the cash. But <laughs> well, maybe next time. So, Super Mario Sunshine. We say that word. What pops into your mind? What's the first thing you think of? Um, it goes. Dun, 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 dun. I don't know how the Delfino theme goes, but <laughs> I, that, I think that's that how it goes. Wasn't bad. <laughs> I don't have the Calypso music sound, but yeah, it's the music. I love the music for it, specifically Delfino Plaza. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it's, it's the the music is the defining part of this game and really the defining part of Mario since sunshine. Like you hear the, the, the sunshine music everywhere in any kind of Mario game, even now, like even it's like, it's even very much referenced in like Odyssey on the beach levels. Okay. So the only reason why I say Delfino Plaza is um, because when we got our GameCube, uh, Sunshine was obviously our first game, but I don't think I told you guys this, but we didn't buy a memory card because we're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so then we would have to restart the levels every time we turn it on. So like we, I'm very good at the first like 20 minutes of Sunshine and I know the, I know those levels very, very well. So that's why I kind of <laughs> stuck with me and my family. <laughs> and you know the opening cutscene very well then. That must be your favorite movie of all oh, time. Oh God, you couldn't skip it. It kept going every time. Nope. Yeah, so so let let's go to there for for a second. What do you what are your thoughts on the plot and specifically that first cutscene? Because <laughs> yeah, let's just if talk you about call it. it that. <laughs> so I'm sure like most people, I'm coming off from um, 64, so um, mm-hmm. that was pretty that was like a pretty like standard Mario plot. This one just for me, it took like a whole turn, right? Like because he what Mario's going on vacation and he's like doing like an eco-friendly statement where just cleaning up the, the waters on <laughs> this like new tropical area well he had to he had to do that otherwise they kill him that was the yeah, idea. He, he was sentenced he, he, to remember, death do you remember for... the uh how there's a judge there and the judge sentences him to like like oh community right. service right, right, yeah. right. Community service. but then also <laughs> i thought of this because they also had um 
uh, what is it, Luigi's Mansion. Um, what's his name? Egad. Egad. Yep. Yep. So that was like a pre, right. like in my head as a kid, I was like, this is like a precursor to the MCU. He's gonna make up all these inventions. He's gonna be like a main yeah. story plot. I don't know if he's come back since because I haven't really kept up with it, but. Uh, it, it is the MCU. It is the Mario Cinematic Universe. <laughs> he looks like he's close to retirement. So, I mean, what more do you need him to do? Like, he's probably collecting pension. <laughs> <laughs> well, he makes Luigi collect all those gold coins. So, I mean. Like, great inventor. Yeah. Like, the Elon Musk of the sure. Mario world. But wasn't <laughs> mm-hmm. he also the problem? He, like, caused all those issues. <laughs> yeah. He, he seems to be the one who causes most of the issues and then fixes kind of, them. But I mean, He's like Tony Stark. He's the Tony Stark <laughs> of the Mario universe. He he creates the suits, but he's also creating Ultron. So. Exactly. Because correct me if I'm wrong, because he made the pen or the the, the brush, right? That, that's right. He did. Yep. 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 And funny enough, too, so a little plot element here that I don't think we've talked about yet. There's technically two endings to the game because the, the normal ending is thanks for playing or whatever. It's like, or have a great vacation. Mm-hmm. And then the other ending is I think if you've collected every single shine you actually see a a painting of Il Plantissimo, one of the guys you were racing against, finding the uh, brush. What? Yeah, what? yeah, so this is a real thing. That That's a twist ending and a half right there. I, I didn't know that because the only Mario, the only 3D Mario game that I've ever 100%ed is Mario Odyssey. The Mario 64, I could never do it just because of control limitations and my brain just couldn't handle some levels. And then Mario Galaxy, I think I just got bored or whatever. And then Sunshine... Same thing. I, I just didn't feel like doing it. So I didn't know that there was that secret ending. That's crazy. Wait, like, so sorry. Hold on. I'm just like shook because <laughs> clearly I never collected all the shines <laughs> <laughs> and you don't see him or it or whatever un- un- unless you um, get all the shines, right? right? Well, you see, I mean, you don't see that uh, that painting or whatever. Yeah, because this is the ending screen shows Il Piantissimo finding Bowser Jr.'s magic paintbrush. See, it really is going for, like, an MCU. (laughs) Well, Ramon, uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on for Super Mario Sunshine before we let you go? Uh, Yeah, the best level is the part when you you clean the eel's teeth. That's the best part. Yeah, because the eel's teeth are making the water all poison and toxic, and, like, you find out that that's the cause of it, is that there's an eel (laughs) with rotting teeth. Yeah. That's a really clever idea. It was. Yeah, and a good message for dental hygiene. Just a good message True. all around this game. This game has a very positive message. I think everyone should 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 play this game and, and... Don't don't litter or you'll be sent to death. <laughs> Correct. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ramon, and uh, we will see you Absolutely. the next time we talk about Pikmin. All right. <laughs> Perfect. See you guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Later, buddy. Bye, Bye Ramon. Fantastic caller. Maybe next time he'll win the thousand dollars, but we'll see. Yeah, maybe next time uh, Ramon will win the thousand dollars. And just so you know, the thousand dollars went to Il Piantissimo, who was the sixth caller. Ah, okay. Uh, And he also got the magic brush. That's pretty good. Too bad he's stuck on that island where they have no economy, so he can't actually spend it. Their economy was tourism, but uh, with COVID. Yeah, that's true. Okay, I guess it's now time that we move on to the next caller. All right, we have Jed on the phones here. Go ahead, caller. You're on the GameCube was cool hour. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. I just wanted to call in and talk about the weirdest shine that I have to my memory uh, playing this oh, game. cool. Okay. It was called Mysterious Hotel Delfino. I don't know if you guys remember that right off. So it's in I ho- don't, actually. It's in Hotel Delfino. You need to get Yoshi, and he wants a pineapple to, like, crack the egg or whatever. Sure. Make, make sense. But you, uh, <laughs> but you have to like go. Yeah, there's a bunch of secret passageways through the hotel that you have to go through to find this pineapple, and it's the one thing I like that stuck out to me because it's so unlike every other shine in the game. 
Like, no other shine has, uh, like, a sequence of these kind of clues that you're looking for. It's Everything else is, like, normal Mario stuff. You're, like, jumping around from platform to moving platform. You're not looking for secret uh, paintings that you have to spray with flood to, like, unlock the door to the next room kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, this one. Yeah. This do you remember got, that? This one's got a lot of layers to it. I do remember this one. And it's basically, like, I mean, the, the ghost levels in, I think, of Super Mario World right off the bat where it's not exactly a linear path to, to get to where you need to go. You sort of yeah. have to think exactly. outside the box to solve certain certain puzzles this one definitely would not be great if you're like a, a young kid this one you would need like a i was gonna say the internet but that's not it uh you'll need like a magazine or something <laughs> uh to figure it out you yeah because it's very obscure and it, I, for sure i had to i had to google i remember i had to google like back on the dial-up internet back in how 2002 to start <laughs> back in 2002 because the first thing you have to do is jump into a like a toilet like a leaking toilet or something like that yes yeah, and then right. it takes you to a different level and then you start jumping through paintings and holes in the wall and stuff like that. And it's funny because this is yeah. like a haunted hotel, which eventually Nintendo went back to in 2019 with Luigi's Mansion 3. So they kind of it's, they've gone full circle. Maybe one day they'll give Luigi a tropical island to explore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, when you were saying it, the, the in my mind, I, I kept thinking of, of that level and I am remembering it now. And I think a lot of it, the inspiration for that, part of it came from Luigi's Mansion, which had come out you know less than a year earlier. And also the fact that Luigi's Mansion is very much within this universe, you know, for the fact that Egad, Dr. Egad, uh, made uh, the flood system as well as Luigi's Mansion's uh, poltergeist. So, uh, poltergeist, poltergeist. Uh, spray or whatever that. Poltergeist. Oh, mm -hmm. yes, yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the heck you're supposed to, like, understand what to do in this. I'm, I'm just watching gameplay just to refresh my memory. And you just, like, kind of jump up in random areas and then you end up in, like, another level. It's, like, with no real... Yeah rhyme or reason so you did you play this game as a kid jed yeah i did i mentioned to my friend not that long ago that we were doing this episode and he pointed out something super obvious that i've never noticed in this game before and it's kind of okay. like just the physics of flood so you know how if you're on the ground and you jump you can hover like three feet off the ground mm -hmm. but then you jump off a building and you hover and now you're hovering at the height of that building instead don't think about it <laughs> 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 yeah that's 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 the answer to to sunshine in, in just a nutshell don't think about it too yeah. hard uh, and i but, and i never will again no i i love that it just makes you feel like kind of like iron man or something going back to the whole tony stark metaphor or whatever but i just love like jumping off a building and shooting flood down and then you're just hovering there and then spot it makes no sense at all that you should just yep. never lose any sort of uh, altitude based on the water pressure and mario's weight and and everything like that but yeah just don't think about it <laughs> <laughs> all right jed uh, is there anything else you want to talk about sunshine wise before we let you go um that's it for sunshine go raptors you guys are doing great thanks jed we'll see you the next time we have to talk about star fox adventure <laughs> <laughs> sounds good hopefully not too long <laughs> hey, all right take care what a nice young man so many nice young men and women on this show today so i just want to talk about the development of the game again for a second i don't really understand what they were doing with development in Super Mario Sunshine with, like you said, with 64 being such a massive success, Mario 64 had a development time of three years, whereas Sunshine had a development time of only about a year and a half. Yeah. Just because they had they had so many canceled projects in between 64 and Sunshine. There was Mario 64 2, which was supposed to be, a, I guess, an N64 game. And then there was the Super Mario 128, which we've talked about before. That was going to be like the first GameCube Mario game. That was scrapped. So I think they had to get Sunshine out fast, which I, I obviously, I know Shigeru Miyamoto has said in interviews that he felt like the game was rushed and it suffered by it. 
which is unfortunate. It would be interesting to see what this game could have been if they had a little bit of extra time to maybe tighten up the controls a bit, tighten up the camera, which I know a lot of people have issues with. But just having such a tight development time, it I think it hurt this game. And that's why a lot of people, this is one of the biggest games that people want to have a remake for, just mm-hmm. to see what it could look like in HD with proper Mario controls, basically with what Odyssey did, having that type of yep. controls, but in a tropical Delfino Island. Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely the one thing that comes under fire is in just the, the fact that it was clearly a rushed development schedule. And mm-hmm. just for those who don't know, so the GameCube comes out November 2001 and with launching with no Mario game, which was a first for any Nintendo home console at this time. Now, Nintendo pushed the development team of the new Mario game that ended up being Sunshine to release a Mario game by the end of, uh, of 2002. And that's where the kind of timeline got rushed there. And uh, they ended up kind of putting their own pressure on themselves because the Sunshine game mechanics that they were creating were very much all about summer and water and using Mm -hmm. those water textures. And so then it became apparent that they needed to release this before the end of summer in order to kind of, you know, hit that market. Yeah, it was. uh, Yeah, definitely for the marketing of this game, it was clearly all about summer focusing on the the beach and the waves and the water because Nintendo loves water in their games. It really is a quintessential summer game too, you know? It is. And I think if this game had never come out, if they had made a just a regular run-of-the-mill 3D Mario game like Super Mario 64 2, uh, I think by now I would be begging for a Mario game based on a beach yeah. environment because that is honestly my favorite part of every Mario game is always the beach. Like I love the beach levels in uh, Mario Odyssey. And uh, yeah, by now, I would just be asking for a game completely about that. So obviously, this is what we got. I guess I can't say for sure that it's it's a letdown because it's not. It's not a 100% letdown. But yeah, I think making a, a game all about being having Mario on the beach in a different environment was, was an interesting idea. And I'm glad that they tried it, at least. I would love to see a, them go back to it and try and make a sequel instead of a straight remake. We'll, we'll see. I think we'll see something, Mario Sunshine something on the Switch before the Switch is all said and done. I think so, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, not to say that even like out of the gate that the game was automatically panned or anything like that. In the first week, it outsold GTA 3 and Halo and Mario 64. So the game in the first week when it came out was popular and it had obviously great marketing, great. It was highly anticipated amongst GameCube fans and Nintendo fans. So out like right out the gate, it was doing very well. I think it, it just, yeah, like I said before, just the expectations were just so, so high. And just it did it did really hurt to have this game not be a launch game because the expectations only grew but uh, you did mention earlier about Miyamoto and his involvement in this game but Miyamoto actually wasn't involved in this game as much as a lot of people think Uh, he was merely just the game's producer where it was uh, I mean I'm not Japanese so I'm not great at pronouncing these names but it was mostly Yoshiaki Koizumi Koizumi yes so Koizumi had been working for Nintendo for about 10 years and for Sunshine, he actually got his chance to direct his own game. Koizumi uh, went on to produce Odyssey and had a lot of input in Odyssey and actually took a lot of elements from Sunshine when he created Odyssey. And that was actually one of his big inspirations. Found some articles from him from 2002, which were really cool to read. Neat. I learned a lot. He worked for Nintendo, like I said, for 10 years before, and he worked on a lot of classic games like Mario 64 and Link's Awakening. Uh, he was very about surreal stories, very imaginative and he actually was the one who proposed Link's Awakening story after he himself had a dream about a fish coming out of an egg. Wow. Which was kind of interesting. That's neat. So after 128 and they decided not to go this way, the initial idea of Sunshine came from the GameCube controller itself. 
which is very cool. So Koizumi realized that the, tr the triggers were extremely sensitive, which is standard to us now. But back then, this was revolutionary, right, for mm -hmm. a controller like this. Right. And he realized that this reminded him of playing uh, with water guns as a kid. Ah. This allowed them to now have Mario have weapons or have tools to use at all yes. times. Without having to find a, without a power up, like you didn't need to find the, the the hat that gives you the fireballs or the tanuki suit or anything like that. This was a permanent weapon that you had. Obviously, they don't want to call it a weapon. I think at first they, they that's why they wanted to give him a, a water gun because they didn't want to give him an actual gun or anything <laughs> like that because Mario yeah. with a gun would not go well. Yeah, no, and uh, and so once uh, Koizumi kind of thought about this idea, he went to Miyamoto and was like, "Hey, this this sound this seems like something cool that we could do. Maybe we can." interpret this somehow and Miyamoto loved this because GameCube the lacking behind the other two consoles in terms of dev capabilities actually was way better in one important area and that was water textures mm -hmm. the GameCube produced naturalistic liquid and water effects beyond way beyond its competitors and even today when you play GameCube games the water looks really really good yes yeah that holds up in everything and that was like they're, they're one of the first launch games was wave race which is all based on wave mechanics and, and water and still looks beautiful mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can't go wrong with like pastel colors, bright blue, bright yellow, bright green on an island like that. Yeah, no, the graphics are again, that is not one of the issues of the game. Uh and the water physics of like the opening scene where you're on the uh the strip, the air the air the uh the platform and everything where the uh, airplane lands, you can jump around and start exploring then and you can jump right into the water if you want to and it just feels so good mm -hmm. to jump in and see the water splashing and everything like that. It's it's you can just play the game just doing that if you wanted to. Yeah, and even like the diving mechanics and everything mm -hmm. that are just so fluid. Yeah, and and with that water that they so effortlessly seem to have animated and and incorporated into the game, you use that water uh, with your jetpack and your your flood your flood pack there to use as a you can use it as a weapon to shoot enemies or you can use it to as a as a hovering mechanic, which the, the hovering mechanic in this game is fantastic. Like using mm -hmm. it to, you reach some insane heights. Like this game, in terms of scale, like I think it's the craziest Mario game in terms of scale. Like you feel like you're high up when you're on uh, like windmills and things like that, climbing up walls. Like you have to jump from platform to platform. Use the jetpack to sort of hover and maneuver around obstacles and things like that. It's that still controls fantastically. And I think that that's a, a really big strong point of the game is using uh, the flood as a weapon and then switching over to a jetpack really quick in order to, to, to get through the levels and collect the shines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just very satisfying too. Like like you said with, uh, yeah. with using the triggers as if it was a water gun. I had never put those two things together, but it is true. Like it did feel like a super soaker from back in the day. Yeah. It just felt so satisfying yeah. to just, you know, jump and then shoot out the, the jetpack and then hover to another wall or something like that. Now, we've been giving this game a lot of love, and, you know, for, for the most part, it does deserve a lot of love, you know, despite being one of the Mario games that not a lot of people talk about or people are, have polarized opinions of. The Mario franchise is just so beloved and so good anyways that even a game that's not living up to a 64 standard is still a great game, nonetheless. Mm -hmm. But... Let's talk about some of the things that bring this game down a bit for us. I don't know. I mean, I, I found, first of all, just going back to a praise for the game, I absolutely love the mini levels in between certain stars where you're, the flood is taken away from you and you have to maneuver those sort of floating platformy based levels, which kind of takes you back to a Mario 64-esque uh, aspect of the game. I thought those... What Hunter said. Exactly. Yeah, just like what one of our writer in, writers in said, Hunter, <laughs> he, uh, he, he absolutely adored those levels. I thought that, I mean, as great as they are, I just felt like they were wedged in awkwardly, almost like the cutscenes. Like, Mario, you're in, like, a floating space area. You kind of, after you're done it, you get kicked back into the Delfino Plaza. 
it just didn't feel as cohesive as the rest of the game. Like the, going from Delfino Plaza to one of the levels felt great because you can you, you can actually see a lot of these levels in the distance. So you feel like you're in an open world Mario game. That was one of my favorite parts of it, to be honest, was the ability to be able to like see everything uh, in that game. That was revolutionary to me. Yeah, you could see like an island out in the distance, and then maybe later on in the game, you're there. You're you're platforming, yeah. doing something there. But with these these extra little levels thrown in, even though they were great and they were fun and everything like that, they just didn't feel it didn't feel smooth going from that back to the game. Yeah, for me, I know you talked a little bit about the camera earlier, and you said that wasn't too much of a problem for you. I did have a problem with it. I never liked the camera in this game. I I thought it was it was um, it was too sensitive. It was very kind of like. Uh, you had too much control over it. That was actually my issue with it. And when I was reading the article about Koizumi, he also lamented the camera and he wanted the camera to be more of uh, you kind of just control it when you need to uh, and okay. it would be moving with you rather than the complete uh, 360 control that you have over it. Yeah, I guess I didn't have a, a problem with the camera when you're just Mario being Mario, jumping around, hitting enemies on the heads, if you're maneuvering like tight ropes and things like that. I thought that was fine. I, I guess that the biggest problem I had with the camera was only when I had to use the flood to uh, to shoot at things. That's when I found it very difficult to aim. But see, that's that's and that was my problem, too. But that's a huge portion of the game. Yeah. No, that's so. true. So, yeah, I guess I got to take that back. I did have maybe like 30% of the game I had an issue with, but then like the other 70% I didn't. But I mean, a Mario game, you don't want 70% of it to be good. You want it to be that 100% amazing. Yeah, yeah. I found Mario to be a, a little bit heavier than he feels in other games. Like when you jump, I feel like he Put on a bit of weight while yeah, on vacation. He's got, yeah, maybe. Yeah, he's, he, in the five seconds he was on the island, he gained 15 <laughs> pounds or something. But I felt like he wasn't as floaty as the other games, which is just, again, just a little bit different. Same thing with Double Dash. I feel like the carts feel a bit heavier in those games too. Yeah. And then just a, a technical issue with the game. I don't know if you found this in your research, but there's actually in a few areas of the game, there's a reset glitch. Did you hear about this? I did not. Please tell me more. Yeah, so if you did a certain thing, which I think you had to try to do this. I don't think anybody did this by accident. But uh, <laughs> So there's one in Rico Harbor while playing the Blooper Surfing Safari level or any Pinna Park levels that involve entering yeah. the amusement park. Uh, th there's an opportunity for you to reset your game and lose your save. So if Mario picks a blooper from a floating platform, again, good luck trying this on your own. Mario navigates into a tunnel on the pollution. Just as he enters the tunnel on the blooper, press pause and then exit area. The game will reset. What the? That's such a specific thing. Right. I, I think you have to find that in the code. I don't know if anybody did that yeah. in an accident. And then in Pinna Park, Mario performs a water dive. Press pause just before entering the park's loading zone. If done right, the game will reset. That's okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. But one thing I do want to praise the game outside of the game is my favorite part of video games, which is the marketing behind this game. Mm, yes, let's hear about the marketing on Sunshine. Let's talk about the marketing behind Sunshine. So this game was first shown off in Space World quite a bit before it came out. But anyway, I want to talk about the TV ads now for the uh, this, uh, this game. Now let's start with the North American TV ad. Mike, I sent you this beforehand. I highly recommend everyone goes to YouTube and look up the link for Mario Sunshine uh, TV commercial from 2002. What the hell? <laughs> it's so yeah, weird the music it's is very disturbing it's very culty <laughs> it does feel like you're in a cult it's the mario cult neil it's come definitely one, come all. The, the song is creepy they're talking about mario sunshine it's a bunch of people laughing holding hands in a field and then eventually they they show the the the, the game and whatever in the gamecube console on a rock on a beach or something like that which is very nintendo you know very gamecube -y. like this mm -hmm. the last 10 seconds of the commercial are great but that first 20 seconds scare the living out of me 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, going on to the Japan, uh, the Japan ad, they, they, they kind of nailed it, actually. I really like the Japanese ad for this game. Okay. I can't understand what they're saying, but it actually reminds me of what a Mario Odyssey ad should look like because this person is kind of just walking around town going to the bus and hair, hair stylists and whatnot, and everyone has Mario mustaches. <laughs> so it almost looks like everyone had been uh, possessed by Mario, like what he does in Odyssey. Oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. like that's what it reminded me of. But then it showed real good gameplay from the game. The music was great. Very poppy. Very Japanese. Um, a guy yelling at you something or, something or other. And then it showed the uh, the release date and everything like that. So I thought the Japanese one was the, was the best. I actually forgot that their their slogan for the GameCube at this time was was "Life is a game." Oh, really? I, did, I actually didn't know I like, that. <laughs> yeah, I for, I'd forgotten. I remember seeing that on ads. I'd forgotten that. I actually really like that slogan. <laughs> Life it's, is a game. Yeah, it's like Nintendo was kind of trying to tell us that we were in the Matrix because that was like the whole Matrixy thing, right? That was when that was huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of cool to have that being their their slogan. A little creepy. They haven't really gone back to that uh, style <laughs> since then. Uh, there was also a weird marketing campaign in the United Kingdom where the UK, they hired a TV celebrity or a, a sports broadcaster, technically, uh, Des Linham. Do you know that name? No, I don't. But Marty probably would. Probably. I hope, hopefully <laughs> I'm saying that right. But anyway, they paid him 100,000 pounds sorry, to oh dye God. his mustache purple. Oh, like, oh, purple for the GameCube, I guess. So. Yeah, yeah. Purple for yeah. the GameCube. But I think it lasted a month. Like he had to keep it purple for a month. But yeah, they, they paid a hundred thousand pounds to uh to pay this man Des to to I'll do it. That feels like a, a bad use of money. <laughs> Very bad. But I'm just saying, like, if Nintendo wants to pay me a hundred thousand Canadian dollars to to dye my beard purple, I'll I'll do it. And every every summer, Nintendo without fail will post their Mario in the Sun picture, mm-hmm. and people go nuts. Yeah, they did that this year too. I think right. With... They did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you, you love to see the sunshine confirmed. I know. Yeah, we'll see you again <laughs> next year. It's around April or May, you know, once the sun's or once the weather starts getting nice. Well, Neil, this has been the GameCube is Cool Hour. And as we always do, we will ask, would, would this be a must own for you, Neil? I would say that Mario Sunshine is absolutely a must own game on the GameCube. I do have my issues with it. I'm going to openly say right now of the five 3D Mario games, it's my least favorite. But that's not to say it's a bad game. 3D Mario games are of the best games in video games so just to, to, to have a last one doesn't necessarily mean it's bad it just means if i'm going to play a 3d mario game sunshine would unfortunately be my last pick but on the gamecube if this is obviously the only 3d mario game it is still a great game it has really amazing levels very intuitive and, and ingenious um, mechanics with flood and and scaling huge heights fighting interesting boss battles i think it's a lot of fun it's got that mario charm that's not missing or anything it's just it's not quite as strong as 64 Galaxy or Odyssey. So if you can find the game at a good price, if you can find it for I wouldn't pay $90 for this game. I'd probably say if you can pay 70 for the game, 60 to 70, definitely pick it up. It's a great time. If you play it in the winter time, it definitely boosts those spirits. It, it feels like you're on a tropical island, tropical paradise with Mario and team. So, yeah, uh, this is a must own GameCube game for all those collectors out there. How about yourself, Mike? What would you what, what would you say about Gal- uh, Sunshine? <laughs> I would absolutely recommend everyone buy Sunshine. It's one of the best games for the GameCube. It's unique. It's something that hopefully we'll see again at some point, but um, it really kind of brings you into the Nintendo lore, as uh, we like to call it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it it just it feels so quintessential, and it's great for the summer. It honestly is like the perfect summer game. I think so, me, too. Yeah. Whenever I think of summer in terms of gaming, I think of this and Jet Set Radio. Those are the two things I always think of. <laughs> yeah, I think of I think of the GameCube in general for, for whenever I think summer, I just think of the GameCube. I don't know why that is, but just with all the Mario games and everything like that, it just feels like a tropical 
console. I don't know what. Maybe it's the what because of the water mechanics and in, in yeah. the in the processing yeah. power. I, that could be it. I just associate like you know Monkey Ball and and Mario Kart and Mario Sunshine. Just all those games just feel so summery to me. And yeah, yeah. Like, no, me too for sure. Like weird. even though uh, even though Sunshine I guess would rank a little lower on my 3D Mario games, uh, I still I wouldn't put it last. But I I still do really love the game and for me it does kind of feel like a vacation for mario mm-hmm. both figuratively and literally you know almost like a brief detour on the mario journey he had one vacation in 12 years i guess he earned it <laughs> well ladies and gentlemen let's move on to our last caller of the day we've got zaffer h from mississauga ontario for your drive home on the radio zaffer radio. how are you doing today pretty good how about you Oh, pretty good, thank you. Uh, do you like being on a fake radio podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. only fake if you think it's fake. That's right. See, that Zaffer gets it. <laughs> so a question that we've been asking all our callers so far is, when you were a kid, did you own a GameCube? And if you did, what color was it? You know, I actually owned two GameCubes. Because um, one of them broke. The first one was silver. Mm. And then I got the generic purple. And now, did your parents have the foresight to get you a memory card before you got games? I remember having some. Uh, I had multiple, actually. <laughs> Look at this. Two GameCubes, two memory cards. <laughs> some parents might have just thought that like memory cards were games because up until that point, parents associated video games with cartridges like on the Game Boy yeah. and the NES and things like that. That's true. That's true. But uh, let's get into the real meat here uh, in terms of Super Mario Sunshine. Zaffer, what memories come to mind when we say Super Mario Sunshine? Immediately, I think of Bowser talking because <laughs> that's that's like a gem I will never forget in the history of Nintendo. Cookie Monster Bowser? I mean, who doesn't love that voice? It's classic. <laughs> but yeah, they, they introduced voice acting in that game in general. That game was really experimental as far as Mario goes. And Did you think it was experimental in a good way, though? Or do you think, like, some of the mechanics... Because Mike and I have talked at length now about this, about how, you know, uh-huh. like, some of the mechanics worked, some some fit, some didn't. We're glad some have stuck in with Mario games. Like, was was the voice acting good to you, or...? <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't exactly the best, but it was definitely charming. Uh, it, it, had, it had its place, and I will never, never want to not have Toadsworth speak. Like, his voice actor... <laughs> It's Mario. What are you doing? Get over here! And I was like, okay, this is yeah, I would love, I would love hearing him talk. Like, I, when I played that introduction uh, cutscene in Super Mario Sunshine, I always watched it for him. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> That's we so now good. have a total of one Toadsworth fan on the call today. We need to screen these phone calls better. <laughs> and now you, so do you still own Super Mario Sunshine? Do you still have the copy? Uh, I, you know, I actually never owned it. I was one of those. Friends who were like, yo, can I borrow it? Can I borrow it? And then I would play the whole thing and then give it back. But I wish, like, I want to own it. If they ever make, like, an HD version, like, I want to get that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are, it might be rose-tinted glasses with nostalgia, but I think a lot of people really want this game to be remade. It's on every every single person's list of remasters on the Switch. It's, It's always Super Mario Sunshine is always in, like, the top. Usually, actually, it's the top one spot is usually Sunshine and Mario 64, depending on who you ask. So it's it's funny that even though this game is so polarizing that some people hate it because of the voice acting and the camera controls, but at the same time, they really want it to be remade. So it's kind of, I'm sure from a Nintendo standpoint, they must be really worried about if, if they make it, will it still be this game that it's equally polarizing again? Or will they be able to make the necessary improvements to um, make that kind of almost like a redemption arc to make the game a beloved game again? um it's it's risky it's interesting to see if they'll do it or not though i would love to see it only because uh 
one one thing which is kind of weird because it's mario like the controls were really really janky for a mario game uh mm-hmm. and i remember being so frustrated at so many things um because <laughs> they were they were really janky like i know flood is a unique concept and another experimental one at that and while i liked flood a lot there were a lot of like little little things with flood that would like throw me into a cliff or like you know, it was just so frustrating. Yeah, it was always like whenever you had to use Flood as a weapon to fire at an enemy, it was always going to be tough. The controls, c- controlling the camera and Flood at the same time was always a bit of a challenge. It reminded me a little bit of like Resident mm-hmm. Evil where, you know, you had to keep, you had to stay still while firing him and, and while also trying to aim him in the right direction was just always a little bit frustrating. It wasn't quite there. Yeah, Flood in general, yeah. Now, Zaffer, you mentioned earlier about, um, you know, how... You didn't own Super Mario Sunshine, but uh-huh. we have a voice clip here that may say otherwise. Take a listen. Hey guys, thanks for uh, taking my voicemail today. I wanted to call in, share some memories about Super Mario Sunshine. Definitely a fun game, Delfino Plaza. See, the thing is, I live in Canada, so every time there's beach levels, uh, I am more than impressed. I actually hate stony levels. Uh, and you know what? Quite honestly, obviously for Super Mario Sunshine being around a beach, there's not a whole lot of water play, which I also hate. I hated that water level in Super Mario 64. <laughs> you know, the people seemed a little bit friendlier, um, the village people around Delfino Plaza. There's more satisfaction cleaning up all the goop, you know. The boss fights I found were a little bit more refined, using that terminology. I don't know, I'm not a game reviewer, but the one thing I will say, I think the best part about Super Mario Sunshine is I actually got it from a friend. His name's Zaffer, and he Bruh. went to me, as well as a few other GameCube games. I picked it up one afternoon. That was about 10 years ago, and I think he forgot about it. So, anyways, thanks, Zaffer. Let me know if you want that back, dude. But, yeah, Super Mario Sunshine definitely beat 64. Is that Nick? Definitely. Take care, boys. Oh, my God. Was he calling from, like, a busy mall food court or something? Where was he calling from there? I'm not sure where, where Nick left his voice message, but apparently... Nick does have Zaffer's copy of Super Mario Sunshine. This is a mystery for the ages, folks. Yo, what a twist. I don't even remember that. Yeah, I love how Nick was saying that the worst part of Mario Sunshine was the water level. The whole game the is whole water game. level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought, I was like, well, we'll just leave that in. <laughs> yeah. You know, on this uh, radio show, we want we like to throw in some some uh, little twists in here. And that's, uh, I think, the biggest twist we've had so far on this podcast. I got to say, that is a... I'm not too surprised, actually. I remember I would lend Nick a lot of GameCube games back in high school. Like, I, I would literally come to, like, computer science, and my backpack had, like, six different games. And I, I guess maybe I did own the Sunshine. I don't know. But if, if, if that's a true clip, and he's not just being a meme lord, then, okay, I believe it. Like, I believe it for real. Z- Zaffir's world turned upside down. This exclusive story here on the GameCube is cool. Unbelievable. Now, Nick's got one of those very political voices. I believe everything he says, uh, no matter what he says. I, I vote Nick to be the mayor of uh, Delfino Plaza, uh, Isle Delfino, actually. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything else you'd like to say about Sunshine before we let you go here, Zaffer? Uh, I gotta say that if Shigeru Miyamoto's listening, <laughs> I, I hope that he continues to make Mario more experimental. Because lately, Mario's been kind of kind of safe, I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would be down with with an HD like uh, tweaked Sunshine, hundred percent. Please, please give it. Please, Miyamoto, if you're listening, that's Zaffer. That's <laughs> that's IGN reviewer Zaffer who got poached from from us uh, saying that we should do that. Seven point eight out of ten. Too much water. <laughs> <laughs>
and and Zaffer being the critic that he does, putting the point eight on that seven, not even giving it an eight, and that's just that's harsh. And that's harsh. It doesn't deserve an eight. There's too much water, bro. I'm drowning. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure again, Zaffer, and we hope to see you soon for the next Sonic podcast. Definitely. Thanks for having Sonic me. Sonic sucks. <laughs> see you later. Take care, you too. What a nice young man. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was our last caller of the day. But just like any vacation, the sun must set on the last day. Mike, do you mind if I read the back of the case before we close out the episode? Go for it. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Dark days on Isle Delfino. When Mario arrives on tropical Isle Delfino, the once pristine island is polluted and plastered with graffiti. Even worse, he's being blamed for the mess. Now, instead of enjoying a relaxing vacation, Mario has to clean up the place and track down the real culprit. They just read what's on the back of the case. There's words written on the back of the case. They just read them. And that's what's written on the back of the case. I'm just looking at the front of the box now. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, just to really quickly talk about it. It's, I think the box art is great. I never noticed before that like the little shine coin thing on the front has words on the outside of it. Oh yeah, what does uh, it say? Yeah, it's. Let's see here. It says has more moves than ever. It's actually covered by flood, so you can't read it. So I'm going to read it the best I can. Has more moves than ever. You'll, them, wrinkle water <laughs> in the sun shine. It's, the words got covered. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> So, Mike, why don't you let the listeners know uh, what we what they can expect on our next episode, episode 16 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. On episode 16, it is the Tony Hawk episode, and we're going to be talking about Tony Hawk Underground, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and 4. Neil and I both grew up with these games. Yep. Uh, they mean a lot to us. Uh, and we're doing it because Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 are being remastered. Hell yeah. And they will come out the Friday, so the day after the podcast comes out. So we're trying to get, kind of get on that hype train and uh, we're going to be buying those games ourselves. So we're really excited. Yeah, I'm super stoked. I love the Tony Hawk franchise. I played them the, the death on the GameCube. I never actually played one and two because I didn't have a PS1. Same and here. Those, the, and those games weren't great on the GameCube, uh, on the N64. So skip those ones completely back in the day. So I cannot wait to play them. I'll probably be picking them up on PS4. I've seen that there's rumors that it will be on Switch, but I, I want to get them on PS4 just to have... I'd like to get Platinums in those games. I think that that's where I'll pick that that game up yeah the uh the ones that we'll be talking about for gamecube will be pro skater 3 4 underground 1 and 2 right. and the often forgot about tony hawk's american wasteland mm, yeah i forget that that game was on gamecube but uh it'll be interesting to go back and do some research on those games for sure yeah no for sure but uh well thank you everyone for joining us on 97.8 the cube fm kuhb the cube. the cube number one on the dial number one in your hearts the number one gamecube podcast on the radio and the internet and the internet thank you very much victor for the intro and we will see you next week bye bye All right, well, let's dip into the mailbag once more and reach in for a letter here. This one's from John C. from Burlington, Ontario. Uh, th this this letter's actually blank. Uh, John did not write anything because he forgot, but at least he did remember to uh, to mail something. That was nice of him, but uh, I don't know why he paid for postage for this. This seems like a rather large waste of effort, but eh. 
nice of him to remember us somewhat. 